Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I think there's little dispute that he's the wealthiest man in the world, Elon Musk, and a $43 billion bid for Twitter, and the people who are asking, uh, is this legit, or is there something else at play here? Let's talk about that. And uh, joining us is Professor of Law of the University of Kentucky, Professor Alan Klugel. Um, Professor Klugel, thank you very much for, for taking the time. I know you're expert in this particular area, this particular field. How different, or I suppose unusual, is the takeover bid by Elon Musk, takeover bid of Twitter, and what would a more expected method for a company takeover look like to you? Well, uh, hi, Roy, and uh, thank you very much for having me on, first and foremost. Uh, it's a very, very unusual way uh, to go about this. Um, in general, there are about three ways, three traditional ways to take over a public company. Uh, the first is you can convince shareholders that you should be in charge. You go to them, you ask for their votes. It's called a proxy fight, right? And then you can take over management that way. He's not doing that. Uh, the second way you could do it is you can say, hey, shareholders, you should sell me your shares so that I can put myself in charge. I can get a majority of shares. That's called a uh, tender offer, and he's not doing that either. That comes with certain legal responsibilities. You have to keep it open for a while. It has to be binding. You have to tell everybody where your funding is coming from, and he's doing none of that. Uh, the final way, the third way, is to essentially say to the board, hey, you should sell me the company. I would do a better job running it. You should sell me at a certain price. But he, and that's close to what he's doing. It looks the most like what he's doing, but he's doing it in a way that's more or less guaranteed to be unsuccessful. He's, uh, he's, he's saying, take it or leave it to this offer. A board can't do that. They can't just take the first offer they hear. They have to go out and see if somebody has a better offer, if they have better funding, if they have better plans for the company. So by saying take it or leave it, he's essentially saying you have to you know, uh, uh, violate your own duties to the corporation in order to listen to me. It just, there isn't really a lot that strikes me as a serious offer in this letter that Elon has sent. So what's your sense of uh, why Mr. Musk may have decided this approach? I mean, I, I, I really hesitate to get into the sort of psychology of Elon Musk, because, you know, you'll always be, uh, you'll always be surprised. But the one thing it does, more than anything, is it puts the most pressure on Twitter's board, on their management, without actually committing or, uh, you know, uh, Elon to any particular course of action. He said very clearly this is a non-binding offer, and there's no real risk for him if they say no, and there's no real risk for him if they say yes, because he could pull out at any time. So in a way, he's put Twitter's management in a real tough position, and you see that with the way they've adopted this poison pill defense. That's really honestly less about what elon is doing but the possibility that somebody else comes along and piggybacks a new uh, offer on 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 the back of elon's letter so he's really put them in a bind without really doing anything to uh you know change his position at all so it'd be like uh you know taking my financial realities into consideration it would be me going to a car dealership and saying 
yeah, I'm, I'm going to buy this car, but I'm not going to sign any contract. I'm just going to buy it, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I expect you guys to have it ready for me. Something oh, similar. pretty much. Uh, but it also says, uh, it also says uh, yeah, even though I don't have a contract, you can't go out and see if anybody else would like to buy this car. Right? You have to take it off your lot. You have to essentially say, uh, this is no longer for sale, and I might or might not buy it. <laughs> I don't think I'd be very successful at that, but then I'm not the richest man in the world either. It's uh, Exactly. And, and imagine yeah. if your Twitter's bored, and now you have, to, you have to take this seriously, even though, again, it seems to be done mostly as a lark. What about this poison pill uh, defense by the Twitter board? What's that about? Sure. So a poison pill is, uh, is it's, it's, a, it's a way of deterring people, uh, you know, hostile investors, which Mr. Musk may or may not be, of buying up lots of shares in your particular company so that they can change management. Essentially says that when a particular investor gets to a threshold, here it's 15% for Twitter, um, that every other investor, not the, not the hostile one, but every other investor gets basically free or discounted shares of the company. So all of a sudden now there are much, many more shares in play, right? It makes it much more difficult for the uh, hostile investor to go out and, into the market and buy up those shares, and it, tank, and it makes it uh, significantly more expensive for that investor as well. So it, it hurts the company's share price. That's why it's called a poison pill. But it also deters these sort of hostile investors from buying up all the stock. So a very hot button issue these days is freedom of speech in Canada constitutionally enshrined as freedom of expression. But Elon Musk says his interest in Twitter is about protecting free speech. Where does that fit into the business equation, if it does? Or is that just a guy stepping forward and says, here's why I'm doing this? I mean, let me put it this way. I think it's very easy to defend uh, the concept of free speech in the abstract, actually putting together a moderation policy for a social media platform, that's much, much harder. So if you're positioning yourself as this outsider and you're trying to appeal to the broadest number of people, why not say, yes, I'm doing this to promote free speech? Who doesn't love free speech? Actually doing that as a member of Twitter management, right, that's a much harder much more, you know, uh, more granular and honestly, much more boring process, right? And that's not something that I think, you know, uh, uh, Elon necessarily wants to get his hands dirty with. Professor Kugel, what do you expect is going to come out of this entire exercise? When we get when we get to the end of it, what are we going to be talking about? <laughs> I mean, I think at the end of it, several things will happen. One is that Twitter will have to really, you know, consider where they're going as a public company. They'll have to say, you know, okay, he wasn't serious about this, but somebody else might be. And how are we going to deal with that? So that's number one. I don't think he's going to go through with this again, because if he really wanted to, there are any number of avenues that he could have taken that would have been honestly more likely to be successful than this one. And I think at the end of it, what Elon will eventually be, and this is much, maybe this is what he would prefer to be rather than the person who actually runs Twitter. He gets to be forever the person who could have saved Twitter, the person who could have made Twitter better if only they'd listened to him, right? And so he gets to be that forever without actually taking on both the legal liability of being an actual member of Twitter management and just the personal responsibility of having to make these kind of hard decisions. 
I, I don't know if I'd ever want to argue with anybody who has their own space program because that's that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's a reality. That's a ballpark that I've never been able to get into, and I, I doubt at this time in my life I'll ever even be able to get to the gate. But uh, this is a final question of the 30 seconds we have left. Do you think that this attempt uh, or quasi-attempt to purchase Twitter is, is actually going to scare somebody up who will say, yeah, I'm going to do this. I've thought about it, but uh, Elon Musk has just given me the push that I needed. I mean, I think that, you know, Elon has, among other things, an ability to move share prices. And if somebody steps forward and says, hey, I could, if I could, uh, you know, get, uh, get a hold of Twitter, get control of this, in a way that brings Elon to some degree on board and can make Twitter a more valuable property whenever, whenever it is I want to sell it or something like that, that could happen. I just don't think that person is going to be Elon Musk. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend.